You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, John, so let's do four stock up and four stock down. Usually when we're doing this, it's on the heels of a game where we're going through uh, guys that played well or position groups that played well and vice versa, the uh, poorly playing people and, uh, and position groups. I think it's appropriate now just to look at this through the prism of, okay, guys that are going to make this team who've made impressions that, that, that are favorable or guys who their time may have run out as a Houston Texan. Let's start off with the four stock up. John, who is a guy who's a bubble guy for you that you think should and or will make this football team? Well, I don't think he's on the bubble. If you go back to the start of training camp, nobody thought anything about Kurt Heine's big Heine. And now he's going to make the team. And uh, no way he's going on the practice squad and them exposing him to waivers because he was too good. In that last game against the 49ers, who played their starters for a while. He had a sack, three tackles for loss. So big Heine has made this team. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And he was, you know, as you know, I watched every snap of his college career, go Irish, um, with, uh, with Kurt Heinisch. He was a guy who made plays in college. I, I think it, he's a lesson in don't judge a book by its cover. You know what I mean? Like you look at him, you look at him walk across the practice field before practicing. Okay. I don't, I, you know, he looks like somebody they hired as a character to play a football player in a movie or something like that. Just a big, heavy dude. Um, but there's something there's something to him. John, I'm anxious to see what Kurt Heinisch comes back next year looking like. You know what I mean? Like if he comes back, like I almost don't want him to look like he's been in an NFL weight room for a year when he comes back next year. I want him to remain a, a, a chunky barroom brawler because it seems to be working for him, John. They list him at 6'2", 300, but that's what they had in Notre Dame. The Texans never update their weights, which I think is preposterous because – People want to know guys work their tail off in the off season and they gain 10 pounds of, of, of strength. You know, I'd want people to know it. Or if you lose weight, if you're heavy and who knows if big guy and he's really 300, he could be more, but that guy, the best thing I could say about him is he's a brawler Yeah, and they need that on offensive interior and they need that on defensive interior as well. Yep, I would agree with that. And John, I like your commitment to the nickname Big Heine. You, you, you saying that you don't? I don't even I think I've heard you refer to him as Kurt Heinish. You refer to him as Big Heine every time. So I, as the as the uh, the author of that nickname myself, I appreciate uh, appreciate you supporting the brand, the Big Heine brand. Now, did um, you my, talk to him about that nickname? I did not, John. No, I didn't bring up Big Heine. I don't. I don't feel like I know him well enough yet to tell him that we've been calling him Big Heine. But he was um, he was on the post game show with us. And boy, he had no problem reciting what his order at Raising Cane's is every time he goes. We, we asked him, Clint asked him, I think, like, okay, so what's, uh, what's your go-to food-wise, Chief? And he said, you know, a lot of these guys on the team, the defensive linemen and the rookies, they go to like kind of some fancy places to eat. He said, I drive over to the Raising Cane's right by the stadium, 
Get a Caniac combo, add three extra fingers, extra Texas toast, and a large Coke. And then he said he sits and eats it in the parking lot so it doesn't get cold. That's commitment. He's got to be careful. He doesn't want a nickname bigger than <laughs> Yes. All right. So Kurt Heinisch, I'm with you on that one, John. My first one on stock up, and this goes back to the Texans cutting Andy Janovich, the fullback that they signed in the offseason, seemingly to fill that fullback position. I'm going to go with Troy Hairston, the converted linebacker out of uh, Central Michigan. I think they're going to carry a fullback on this team. And at least initially, it's going to be a fullback that's probably in the building over there. Um, I think Troy Hairston probably brings more to the table on special teams than the uh, Quesenberry full. I think Paul Quesenberry is the fullback Quesenberry um, from Navy. Um, I'm going to go with Hairston just because of the versatility, what he brings on special teams. And, and I also, John, value the opinion of John Harris a lot. And John Harris has been standing on the table for Troy Hairston throughout training camp. So that's my, my stock up. My first stock up is Troy Hairston making the team as the fullback on this squad. He is very physical, and they like that because Lovey Smith talks about it a lot, and the best way to improve your running game is to get more physical, which is one reason I built, rebuilt the guards, and then uh, having a fullback who can kick some serious butt, especially a guy that was a converted linebacker. I agree with you 100% on Hairston. My next one is a guy that I didn't think a whole lot about him when they drafted him, but then when I looked up at training camp, and sometimes they had him running with the ones and with, uh, and that is Austin Deculus, mm. the uh, uh, guard or tackle from LSU. And if they keep a fourth tackle, and I'm guessing they will, they have the two starters and Tunsil and Howard, and then Charlie Heck is the swing tackle. And Charlie Heck has started games his first two years. And with Laramie Tunsil not uh, participating in the offseason program, Heck got a lot of work with the first team, but Deculus, he's physical, and that's the thing they like, as we talked about with these other players. I think he's going to make the team as the fourth offensive tackle. Yeah, I agree with you on Deculus. You know, it's funny with Deculus, John. Uh, Seth and I had David Anderson in studio not all that long ago, uh, former Texans wide receiver who's started up his own analytics slash body GPS analytics company. You know, he works with a lot of college teams and uh, he worked with the XFL when they were getting launched uh, the last iteration of the XFL. And he's working with this new iteration of the XFL as well and putting, you know, putting uh, GPS and tracking equipment on guys to, to measure certain things. And he, he's been doing it with, with college prospects that are coming out in the draft. And he mentioned Deculus as a guy that they, Austin Deculus was a guy that when they strapped up Austin Deculus with the equipment they used to track certain things that, that tend to map to productive football players, you know, maybe he doesn't have the measurables like the, you know, the arm length and the hand size and the hip movement, all that stuff. But the analytics stuff, the next level stuff um, in terms of just burst and speed and things like that. Um, David Anderson specifically brought up Austin Deculus as a guy that their company had identified as a, as, as for the Texans, a really good pick in the sixth round. So I'm with you. I think Deculus makes a team. My other stock up, and this is the last one we'll do. We're doing four stock up and four stock down is Blake Cashman, who I guess, I don't know if he should be a total shock to, um, to make the team. Uh, cause they did trade a, a pick to get him, although it was a sixth round pick. So we know that Nick Casario kind of throws sixth and seventh round picks like they're like it's tip money at the casino or whatever. Like, here you go. Here's a six round pick. Uh, oh, thank you for that complimentary Blake Cashman in return. 
Um, but Cashman's had a really good camp. Um, he's been real active. He's been around the ball a lot, made a lot of tackles, showed some pretty good athleticism. Um, so I've got, I've got Cashman getting in there as like my fifth or sixth linebacker right now. I think he's, he's, they traded for him. So there was, unless he crashed, yeah. there was no way he wasn't going to make the team. He led him in tackles against the 49ers with six, including five solos. I got a, two bonuses. Let me ask you about these two guys. Sure, I sure. Think, I think they got a good chance to make the team. The first one I think, Sean, is Graylon Arnold from Baylor. Great special teams player. Can play corner or safety. And the extra one is... Isaac Yadam, the fifth-year veteran, great size, 6'1", 189. I'm curious if both those guys will make it at corner and safety because they can play special teams. And in Yadam's case, you know, five-year veteran, that might come in handy. What do you think about those two? I, I've got them both on my 53 right now. I've had Yadam on my 53 for pretty much all of camp. I have Fabian Moreau on there, the first iteration of my 53, and, and quickly swapped him out for Yadam after being at training camp and watching Yadam play. He'd been around, he, he's or he's he's been around the ball a lot during training camp and he's flashed some good things. I think, you know, you and I were talking about Arnold before we started recording, and we're going, okay, is, are they are they listing him as a safety or a corner? Are they playing him as a safety or a corner? I think that highlights probably a reason why he makes the team. You know, if we're not sure if he's if he's a safety or a corner, it means he's probably adept at playing both of those things. And we know that the big thing that's flashed for Arnold has been special teams play, particularly in that Rams game, I believe it was, where he made some plays on special teams. So I've got both of them. I've got both of them making the team right now. Those are good bonus ones, John, because they are fringe guys. I, I've got them both on my 53 right now. Good. Yes. So we're on we're, we're simpatico on that. I think we're simpatico on all of our stock ups. So we'll see how uh, correct we are with these. All right, let's get to the stock downs because these are juicier. At least the names I have on here, John. I've got some juicy names on here. I'm going to let you start as always. You've got the honors. Who is your first stock down 53-man roster cutdown edition? Defensive tackle Ross Blacklock, third year, started three games, first two years, second round pick. He is not produced as a second round pick should. I think this is not going to be a surprise, but they have other defensive tackles like Big Heine, Kurt Heinisch, and uh, Eagle, even Michael Dumfort, another guy who was on the practice squad last year. Those guys have made plays. Blacklock hasn't. He was held out of the 49ers game because of an injury, but I think he's gone. I do too. I agree with that. It was super awkward seeing him at the season premiere event on Saturday. Like you see some of these guys and you go, okay, well, this is probably your last event that you're having as a, as a Houston Texan. That's a good one, John. My first stock down, I think similarly a second round pick from back in 2019, uh, the same way Blacklock was a second round pick in 2020. I think the end of the line has arrived for Max Sharping at left guard. Um, I think Kenyon Green, uh, the drafting of Kenyon Green obviously is a signal that they're looking to upgrade that position Overall, Sharping's had plenty of opportunities over the last couple of years to seize that position the way he did when he was a rookie. His best year was his rookie year in 2019. And for whatever reason, he's just gone downhill since then. Um, I think the team views Justin McCray as a perfectly acceptable veteran option at left guard if they feel like they need to work Kenyon Green in slowly. Um, I think the end of the line is here for uh, a, uh, another another second round pick in 2019 because we know the end of the line arrived earlier in the offseason with Lonnie Johnson, the other second round pick in 2019. It's embarrassing if those three 
second round picks are all gone. And Nick Serio is the one that signed Justin McRae. McRae can also back up at center if they need him to, although I think uh, we didn't list him under surprise, but we should have. Scott Quisenberry played mm-hmm. really well in the preseason when Justin Britt was held out of the games. But I'm with you. Sharping's gone. Sharpling and Blacklock on top of Lonnie Johnson Jr. And we wonder why they're having to undergo a massive rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, striking out on second round picks like that is almost as damaging as striking out at the back end of the first round. No doubt about it. All right, John, who's your other stock down? Eric Murray. Mm -hmm. Eric Murray, uh, they've got a lot of young safeties. Now, Jalen Petrie's a starter. Jonathan Owens is a starter. Two new safeties. Terrence Brooks is going to be in there. If they count Graylin Arnold as a safety, that's four. I could see him keeping six corners and four safeties. If that's the case, then Eric Murray is going to be out of here. Now, they like him. They like Murray. He's made some plays, but he he's you know he Brooks is a third safety, and Murray would be fourth. So I just think there's a good chance that Eric Murray is going to be gone after being here two seasons. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, the only thing that makes me pause on that is that I you know Nick. Casario redid and extended his his contract by a year, Eric Murray. So he actually would cost the team more to cut than to keep this season. Like they cut him. There's $5 million against the cap for Eric Murray. If he stays here, it's four point something against the cap. Um, I just don't think he's got any sort of use on this team anymore. Not, not to the extent that you can plug in a young guy in there to, to take those snaps and maybe develop like a Graylin Arnold or somebody along those lines. Um, I, I, I think too, John, for a lot of Texan fans, just symbolically, um, what Eric Murray represents is he's the last of the O'Brien Easterby, uh, just completely warped janky contracts that they gave out in the off season <laughs> of 2021, <laughs> you know, they've, they've, they've got rid of, they got rid of the bad contract extensions that they had given out that regime with Nick Martin and Zach Cunningham last year. Um, they, uh, they, they traded Randall Cobb. Uh, they, um, they, they let Whitney Merciless go last year. Um, Eric Murray is the, probably like the last vestige of that overspending that they did for about a year in 2019 and 2020. And so I think a lot of Texan fans would be happy to see Murray go just, just to not have to look at him anymore. I know that sounds very petty, but it's, it's been a rough couple of years for Texan fans. So I think there's an element of that with Murray. It's hard to find. I was, I was having a hard time finding a last one here for a guy where, boy, I'm kind of surprised this guy got cut or he's a bubble guy. But I guess my other stock down purely based on the fact that Blake Cashman, I think, is going to make this team. They've got a slew of young linebackers. Well, not of young linebackers, but we know they've got veteran linebackers with uh, Christian Kirksey, Kamu Gruger Hill, uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis was listed as first string earlier in camp. Um, and we know that Garrett Wallow and Christian Harris are at least going to make the initial 53, and then we'll see if they get put on IR. But they, un- unless they're out for the season, you can't put them on IR in training camp. Um, so I think, I think they're both obviously going to be on the team. Uh, Neville Hewitt, who was a guy they picked up last year uh, from the Jets, who was a tackle machine for the Jets, did some decent things for the Texans last year. I just think it's a numbers game at linebacker, and the, the other guys – are either um, young and developable or they're just guys with bigger upside. Like, I think there's more to Blake Cashman's game than there is to Neville Hewitt's game. 
Um, and it's just, as I say that, it's like, God, they're importing a lot of linebackers from the Jets. I don't know if this is the formula for success, but whatever. Um, so Neville Hewitt is my other stock down. And he could be, you know, Grugier Hill is still their best playmaker, and they love Christian Kirksey because he's a veteran. And Kevin Pierre-Lewis always the first linebacker off the field in, in, in uh, nickel situations. But I'm curious, Jalen Reeves Mabin, who hmm. has done a really good job at making a lot of plays, and I've talked to people think he's going to be on the team. Hmm. Do they, if they do get rid of Neville Hewitt, do they keep – Jalen Reeves maybe is that extra one and a lot of guys are going to go on the practice squad yeah and uh so it's not like when they're cut it's the end of the world and of course they can be claimed by other teams or they can sign with other teams if they choose not to be here but considering they know the system and they've been through everything through the offseason program you know, probably 14 are going to be from the Texans practice squad. And then Casario might look for a couple of guys from other teams he likes. But the, it is competitive. It's much more competitive now than it was last year when there were so many new faces. And then next year, it's going to be competitive. And I think there will be even fewer changes. And it'll be tougher to make the roster because they're going to be a whole lot better next year. Yeah, more talented for sure uh, this time next year with a, a whole nother draft. And with John Mechie coming back, things like that, as you pointed out, Mechie like being another draft pick next year. So that's four stock up, four stock down. I want to get into the things that we think translate into the regular season that they did in just a second, but I should point out here um, that you and I are going to start doing a mailbag segment on this podcast. Um, and I've got an email address that I set up for people to send in questions that we can use for the mailbag segment. And it's an easy one to remember, but jot it down. If you want to send questions about the Texans or uh, just the NFL in general, um, or movies, or recipes, or um, 90s music, or whatever, uh, but mostly football, please, houmailbag.com. That's houmailbag. Uh, I'm sorry, houmailbag at gmail.com. houmailbag at gmail.com. I've not taken the URL houmailbag.com yet, but houmailbag at gmail.com is where you can send uh, mailbag questions too. All right. As someone who did a mailbag for years at the Chronicle, and I think we need to let people know, are, are you going to take a certain number each week considered the best or the most appropriate? Because I used to get like a hundred and yeah, I would that's try a, to write all of them. They'll take hours to put it together. Yeah, no, of course. There's going to be a limit on the one. So yeah, make them good questions. We're going to take the best ones and, uh, and chop them up on here. Um, so it'll be a lot less typing for you, John. You just got to talk. That's all you got to do. No typing. Um, but yeah, send in, as, send in as many as you want, but we're going to pick the best ones off the top. The ones that make for the best, most compelling listenership. We're trying to build an audience here. By No God. recipes. Yeah, no recipes. I was joking about that. Unless they're good. 